Thank you for joining us today, everyone. I'm very excited to have our guests here today. Um, we're going to be speaking to Jennifer Levi, and she's one of the most positive people you're ever going to experience. She's gone through a lot on her journey, and specifically today, I brought her on to speak to you about health, hope, and healing. Um, Unfortunately, you're going to see that there are sad parts to her story as well, but through it all, you will notice that love is constant. So with that, we will welcome Jen in. Okay, I'm in. All right. So thanks for joining us today, Jen. I'm really excited to have you on. You know, I always love talking to you. You have such positive energy. And I'm so excited for people to hear just a little bit of your story. So Jen, I was lucky enough to coach with you and teach with you. Um, and, you know, it didn't take long for you to be one of my favorite people to joke around with and, and see every day. Um, and then obviously through the years, since we're old ladies now, then, um, <laughs> uh, you know, you obviously have inspired me in a lot of ways, not only how driven you are with your goals, but just seeing you and how you're able to help other people with theirs. Um, whether it's your students, your athletes, you know, or just other people in our lives. So you could have had so many careers that I could see you being so good at. What was it about teaching and, you know, specifically, um, health and PE that drew you in to pursue that? So it's interesting that you say that, that you, you see that I could have a, a bunch of different careers because I feel like I've always thought about that in my life. It's like I have different phases of my life where different careers have kind of fit in. But yep. um, so that's interesting that you point that out. But when, you know, growing up my whole life, I was an athlete and um, it's what I excelled at. And I always loved leading um, and, you know, with that came teaching. And so it felt like, you know, health and phys ed and, um, coaching was just like that next step for me. Um, especially coaching because I just love the connection that I could make with athletes. Um, mm -hmm. that was so much different than being just in the classroom with students. So, um, just the competition part of, of athletics and, and coaching, um, the sense of accomplishment it always brought to my life. I just feel like that was what led me to continue. If I couldn't play the sport anymore, then the next best thing was to be on the field, um, at least coaching it. So um, I've just always enjoyed teaching health because I just, I feel like it's that subject in life or, you know, in school that no matter what I taught that day, my students could leave and directly apply it to their life. I mean, whether, yep. whether it was food, whether it was mental health or, um, you know, whatever, literally whatever we were talking about relationships, um, these kids could apply it directly to their life. So I, I liked being able to kind of talk about real life, um, stuff with them. So, yeah, you know, I, I think it's great, especially, you know, for those that don't know, I am an English teacher and for some reason, people don't always seem to appreciate the quality that Shakespeare brings to their life. I don't know. Me, me, me and Billy Shakes go way back. He's my boy. 
Um, Edipo, you can can throw it down to, but, um, you know, but I guess when, you know, when those people, even though they're in, sometimes you're like, got those gym class heroes cutting people off in volleyball. Maybe we have some people in the group. If you don't know, if you're not thinking about somebody right now that did that, you are that person. Yeah, that's right. That's right. A hundred percent. But. You know, but it's true. It's like, that's always a time that you can interact. It's like one of the true social elements, but then it's so cool because not only do you then go in and teach health, but then have, you know, driver's ed and like all these real life, um, right. Applications that are, are just so valuable. Um, you know, and I'm sure that that has enhanced people's lives, um, you know, so much. So, you always were super health conscious, um, you know, obviously like as an athlete working out all the time, going to the gym, running, you know, um, coaching for hours, then going hop into another job where you're doing like personal training after you spent the whole day in the gym. And even despite all that and all your healthy living and all that, the only green thing I used to eat, I've been better recently. You see, it was like mint chocolate chip ice cream. Okay. So I love it. when I would come into that office, that's and right. got some type of salad or I'm like, what's quinoa? quinoa? No. That's <laughs> Guys, right. I know. I know what it is. But the first time I think I ever saw it was I'm like, what are those little seed things? And, right, right. and, and why? why? Right. Why yeah. are you eating them? Um, so anyway, despite all of that, you got a, a diagnosis that definitely affected um, your life in the immediateness and also long term. Um, are you willing to speak to us about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I, I would love to. So um, I grew up, well, so my diagnosis was, a, a, was type 1 diabetes. I was diagnosed when I was 29 with type 1 diabetes. And I think... Um, you know, I, my brother and sister were both seven years old when they were diagnosed with diabetes. So I am one of, I'm one of three. I'm the middle child. My sister is two years um, older than me, my brother, two years younger. And both when, when my sister was seven, she was diagnosed with diabetes. My brother turned seven, however many years later he was diagnosed with diabetes. So I knew this disease, um, not as closely, obviously, as I do now. But I knew the struggles that my um, whole family really, because it does, it's not just the one person with the disease that's dealing with it, but I knew the struggles that um, my family had been through and I knew what it meant um, to have this disease. So it was shocking. I mean, I I always thought that I was um, healthy enough that... um, I had passed the juvenile age where, you know, they say type one diabetes is a juvenile diabetes thing. You know, I had passed the age. So I was, you know, free and clear as far as I knew, but yeah. And I think that that's a really important thing, right? Because, you know, a lot of people think about diabetes and they either think that it's that you were, you know, you get it when you're, like you said, very young and you just kind of have to deal with it your whole life. Like your siblings have, or because of, maybe some lifestyle choices or some other health issues that may have, you know, come up and affected it. Um, and instead this kind of came out of the blue. Yeah. And the, and the reason I was able to pick up on it. Um, and you know, one of the things as, as I research later after having the diagnosis, sometimes like a major shock to your body is what pulls these 
things out and um, makes okay. them kind of show themselves. And so I got my diagnosis when I was 10 weeks pregnant with my first pregnancy. And I had eaten, I mean, maybe three or four bagels, like in one sitting and could not quench my thirst. And I just, part of me was like, is this just pregnancy? Is this just, you know, cause I didn't mm-hmm. know I'd never been pregnant before. Right. I'm just eating more bagels and could care less. Cause I'm going to gain weight anyway. Right. Um, right. but I knew that the thirst quencher um, mm-hmm. was something that triggered my brother and sister. Um, so I, I had, you know, pretty much immediately then called my, my mom and my sister being like, I need to test my blood. I need to get this figured out. So anyway, yeah, I was diagnosed um, 10 weeks into my pregnancy with my son. And um, it was just... I mean, it definitely shook me because it wasn't just me now that I'm concerned about. It's obviously my, right. my growing baby. Um, but, you know, the good thing was I was able to get it under control and start managing it very quickly. You know, because I was pregnant, they got me on the best medicine, the best system. And, you know, quickly I was able to get my A1C down and my numbers down and, you know, really figure out a, a way to control it. Okay. Yeah, that's good. And then, and you said that, you know, you not only talked to your siblings about it, but you said that there's a lot of good resources out there, right? Like a lot of books, yes. and, you know, and other things that you just kind of, you tried to throw yourself into it so you could understand it as much as possible. Yeah. So I started um, to fill my head with, um, like when I was first diagnosed, I was like, well, what does this mean? Like, will I be able to have a healthy pregnancy? Will I be able to lose baby weight afterwards? Will I be able to have drink alcohol again? Like all these things that I was just kind of going through my head. Um, so I, I did, you know, I joined a support group of local type one diabetic adults. I read books about, um, healthy pregnancies and type one diabetic women and just kind of decided I needed to, you know, flood my body or my, um, mind with all the positive facts that I could get, um, you know, to kind of help me through and to figure out a game plan for, um, to start thinking of all the things that I could do while being a type one diabetic instead of all the things that I couldn't do. So, yeah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, especially, you know, I think that a lot of us, it's just kind of human nature sometimes that when we have something, then not even that the why me thing, but it is kind of like, okay, how, right. right? How do we even go about this? And now to have the added pressure of, all right, now you're not even just, you've never been pregnant before. You don't even know, like, you know, everybody's trying to figure out what can I eat, right, what can right. I body, you know, all these things. And now you have this other factor um, thrown right. in there. So I think, you know, that was awesome. Like, and it's important. I think it's helpful that people do know that there are different support groups. Like I wasn't aware that there were support groups for, you know, those type of things like diabetes, um, locally, yeah. you know, so. I even went to my first, like, um, we hadn't been to, I don't even know what they call it anymore. It's like a, I think they called it a summit and it was basically like all the, um, the leading research or the leading technology, like, you know, they got together nice. in a, in a, they get together once or twice a year and, you know, people can go, whether you're diabetic, whether you're a caregiver, they have all these resources. And I went there, um, twice, you know, just to just get a, it was something I was going to have to, or I'm gonna, that I do live with and I will have to for the rest of my life. So the sooner I got a good understanding 
or better understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I learned from the reading and from going to these summits was that I could do anything I wanted. Diabetes was not going to hold me back from anything because people mm-hmm. um, literally type one diabetics can do whatever the heck they want. They can go run marathons. There were people, you know, mm-hmm. doing that. And I'm like, well, you know, it's just, it takes a little one or two steps of extra planning, but it's not the, it's not the um, end of the world. You know, it's something, something yeah. people live with every day. I was not just this like one in a million or, you know, chance at, to get it. People live with it every day in worse circumstances mm-hmm. than I do. So, you know, I just had to learn what I could and, and I'm still learning for sure. Um, yeah. All about it. Yeah. So, I, you know, like I said, I think that a lot of what you said is, is very relatable, um, you know, and, and same thing, things that I tell myself and, you know, I, I know a lot of people as well, when we're going through something that's kind of like, okay, if other people can do it, I can right. do it. Like, you know, we, we will find a way and, and it's important to reach out to other people, whether it is in books or online or just talking to people that have it, um, instead of, you know, just kind of sometimes people tend to put their head in the sand a little bit and they don't want to deal with it because nobody wants to deal with that reality, right. you know, of like how much life has changed. But the sooner we're able to try to come to grips with it, um, the better position we can put ourselves in. And, you know, and, and you did that. Like I, you know, saw it right away. You started making, um, you know, immediate changes and you were very conscious about it and, and everything else. Um, but then unfortunately, as we all know that, you know, things still sometimes don't work out and, you know, and sometimes we try to do everything right and we follow everything and, you know, and the world has, has other plans and we can't make sense of it. Um, so could you tell us what happened, um, in your pregnancy? Yeah. So, um, fast forward to when I was 38 weeks pregnant and I'll share this part too. Um, my sister who is also a type one diabetic, was also 10 weeks pregnant at mm-hmm. the time. Um, so we were, we were given the same due date <laughs> for our babies. Um, she was having a girl, I was having a boy, and um, I just absolutely loved telling everybody that I could that, you know, mm-hmm. my sister and I are pregnant at the same time. And um, I just, I loved being everyone, everyone. like random people. <laughs> you said you would tell, right? Like random people at the store. You're like, you know who else is pregnant? My sister is pregnant. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, um, I just, I loved being pregnant. I loved my growing belly. I loved feeling the kicks. And, um, because I was a high risk pregnancy as a type one diabetic, I went to many ultrasounds. Um, and at the end they were like weekly ultrasounds because they check, um, you know, a lot of different things, the movement, the fluid and the growth. Sometimes type one diabetics are known for having bigger babies and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, but I went to an, a routine ultrasound, um, when I was 38 weeks pregnant and they, they couldn't find, um, my son's heartbeat and, um, I had gone by myself. I was already on maternity leave. I was one of the first appointments of the day. Um, and I just remember them. You know, I, I, had, I know what a heartbeat looks like from an ultrasound. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen it so many times. 
And I remember um, them flashing to the screen and I just, I didn't see his heart beating and I knew something was wrong. Um, but he, it still didn't register because I think I was, as much as I remember of that day, I was mm-hmm. still very much so in shock when the, when the doctor came. Absolutely. So I'm by myself and I'm like, okay, well let, you know, we got to go, we got to go save him. We got to go, you know, deliver him. We got to get him out. We got to save him. Um, you know, but he had, he had already, there was no saving him. There was no heartbeat. So I had to call my husband, my parents, my sister. Um, and we wound up going to the hospital that night and, or that day, um, to deliver him. And while this was all happening or while I was um, going into labor and Mm -hmm. delivering, um, I had, you know, the news of my son Connor's death um, freaked my sister out, uh, which I can only imagine. Mm -hmm. And she, the doctor, she went to her doctor and the doctor told her, you need to go to the hospital and deliver her baby, your baby. So, um, my sister and I are in the same hospital and in one room, you know, I'm delivering my son Connor and in, you know, the next room, um, or I should say down the hall, my sister's delivering my niece. And I often think about, obviously I think about me and and my family losing Connor. I think about my Mm -hmm. parents through that, through that situation yeah. too, um, you know, bringing beautiful life into this world, adding another family member and being so incredibly happy for my sister and my niece, um, you know, but also wanting to comfort and be there for me who, who lost a son. So it's, um, mm-hmm. you know, just, just not the way I had envisioned that happening, um, you know, our happy ending story. But, um, yeah, so I I had gotten many tests done because, of course, you know, when that first <clears throat> happened, um, you do, you ask yourself, why? What did I do? Did I, did I eat something wrong? Did I move in a different way? Did I... Um, you know, you just start going back and forth of, was it my type one diabetes and, Mm. um, everything that the doctors could find or come back with said that he was, Connor was a healthy baby. Um, they did say when he was delivered that the umbilical cord was, was wrapped, Mm -hmm. um, pretty tightly around his neck and that that could have been, um, not that the the umbilical cord is, could have been damaged. Um, not that he, you know, couldn't get, cause you're not breathing through your mouth at that mm-hmm. point, but, um, that the umbilical cord being damaged could have had an effect on, um, him dying. So that was really the only answer we ever got. Um, and you know, and it's, it's hard cause it's like, there's no, no. good answer anyway for something like that but you know but it's natural especially you know you're you and same thing you know your husband are are just always right on top of things and have always you know kind of 
followed the rules and and done everything so it's like you're used to being able to kind of control situations and something like that you know nobody saw it coming and you know you think that you're you're right at the point that you're ready to embark on this life that you have planned and then that happened and then you know I know that at the time especially then not only were you feeling so devastated by everything that happened, but just scared for what the future is. Yeah. Like, you know, cause it's, it's more like, okay, now what? Like, you know, even if, even if that's just a horrible instance, then it's like, well, since there wasn't a reason to point to it, then it's scary that, you know, who knows if I am going to be able to, you know, be healthy and, and have right. And I know like for, I say this a lot of times when I share my story, like I was meant to be a mom, like as, as Mm -hmm. hard as momming is, it is, I was this, I just love it. I was just meant to be a mom. I knew it from a young age. Um, I always joke that I've, I played with, with dolls for way longer than they're like, (laughs) they're like acceptable. (laughs) Uh, I used to bring my baby dolls to like the table and feed them. And yeah. Yeah, like in middle probably. school, <laughs> like, like the cafeteria. Too. <laughs> so I just, you know, I had wanted to be a mom for so long and it felt like, you know, nine months of work. Um, and to be honest, I just, I had, after having the d- type one diabetes diagnosis and then a failed pregnancy, um, or that's, you know, what it seemed like at the time, I just felt like my body had failed me like big time. Um, and I remember asking literally like, okay, when can I get pregnant again? Because that's not fair. I just went Mm -hmm. through nine months of, you know, growing this precious baby and to not be able to take him home is torture. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And not, so not only, you know, do you feel betrayed by your body, but one thing that a lot of people didn't necessarily think about at the time is you still had to physically recover right. too. It's like you still had to deliver right. a baby. Like you still had to go through all of that. And that takes a lot out of you physically and emotionally, you know, and, and everything else. Um, and still you just wanted to, okay, when can we, right. When each, can we and it? each, each morning, you know? um, or each time, you know, there's a lot that's involved in obviously childbirth and, um, recovery, like you said, and, you know, it's just a painful reminder for those, you know, weeks that it took to physically heal. Um, it was just mm-hmm. that a painful reminder. And one of the other things that when we were talking um, earlier than you were saying was a painful reminder is the same joy that you used to have before that you was like, you were, you know, professing to everybody, I'm pregnant, I'm going to have, you know, and, and I'm going to have my niece and my son are going to grow up together and all this, then that also kind of works against you or so you felt immediately after, because, you know, you, you didn't really want to leave the house, um, because you didn't know who was, who knew, who was going to ask, and, you know, it's one thing dealing with the reality of it, but then having, like you said, the physical reminders that you were, you know, your body was still recovering, but then also people meeting right. well, right. Asking you, Oh, you know, how are you feeling? Are you due soon? And then having to explain right. your story without um, knowing at and- the time. It's like, it's interesting because when you talk about loss, um, 
mm-hmm. and you talk about pregnancy loss, like that, you, like, cause one of my biggest things too, that I have learned is I also don't want to scare anybody thinking that my situation mm-hmm. has to be theirs or because, you know, I had a pregnancy loss, um, that you should be worried in your joyful pregnancy journey too. You know, like I just, I never want to put that. That's true. Stigma. But absolutely. But I think, you know, I think the important thing and one of the reasons why, you know, I'm so glad that you're willing to talk about your story is because I think especially losses like that, that are so, I mean, every loss yeah. is hard, right? I don't want to, I don't want right. to minimize any loss at all, but you know, just all the buildup and, and all the hope that people have when they're pregnant and when they're, you know, looking forward to this, this baby coming into the world and whether it's a miscarriage, a stillbirth, you know, whatever it happens to be, so few people talk about it for, for fear of like making other people uncomfortable. And then that kind of puts everybody back in the hole because then if it does happen to you, or if, you know, if maybe you didn't necessarily get a good report at the doctor, maybe it doesn't necessarily go that way. But you feel like you can't talk to people because right. you're freaking out. And that's what I've had you to know? learn and in these in these years, you know, afterwards. It's it's definitely something that I've had to kind of inch away at and learn um and become more comfortable with. And like you said, in order to to help other people. Um I remember though a couple of things like that I specifically remember when I was in labor with my son Connor. Mm-hmm. I remember specifically my mom telling me that my sister was also there. And I said to her, like, I don't want to miss out on our family's joy. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to know, I want to know when I have a, um, I want to know when my niece is born. I want to see her, you know, like I just, I don't mm-hmm. want to be, I don't want everybody to be tiptoeing around the joy they have for my sister just because they don't want to you know, hurt my feelings or make me upset. I wanted to be a part of it so bad. So they've always known that. And I think it's what's mm-hmm. helped my family with my, or my uh, relationship with my family. Um, yeah. That takes a lot of courage though. You know, like just things like that, that it would be so easy and they wouldn't, you know, they would have understood and nobody would have took it personal. Like, you know, like we're saying little reminders and, and different things. It yeah. has to be hard. Um, but the fact that you were able to kind of take a step back, even in moments like that, we, you know, where you are in shock and everything is just, you haven't even had a chance to breathe, let alone process anything. And to still think about not only how this was affecting you and, you know, your potential positive feelings in the future or whatever, but also the other people around you. Um, you know, I think it's, it's really hard for, for a lot of people to do that, but the more we're able to, the better it is. And like you said, not only for your parents and for your sister and, you know, eventually your niece, obviously, as she grows older, but also for you, because now you're going to be able, like your first memory of your niece is still going to be a positive one that you were excited to welcome her into this world, you know, um, you know, but so, so we were talking before about, you know, having this idea about you said that you did learn that it is better to kind of talk about it and get it out there. And that's something that you've experienced through it. Um, and you said that the first thing that kind of helped you, um, 
basically get out of the house, you know, and, and kind of face these things is you, you just did a post, right? Cause you just talked to us about um, these posts that you just started with one and then it kind of turned into this um, phenomenon that people were following, including myself. Um, and, and as much as it talked about some of the pain and, you know, your loss and everything, um, then also we're just so inspiring. Um, yeah. So you share that with us. I remember again being in the hospital room um, and trying to process things, but not mm-hmm. quite yet being able to be there. Um, people were like, the nurses were asking me things like, do you want somebody to go to the house and pack the nursery up? Do you want to, um, do you want to hold him? Do you want to take pictures? And my, my face or my um, mind was just not there yet to process things. But again, when I went home, um, I just started looking through different resources. And I, I, had, I had known no, I didn't know anybody that had um, lost, that had had a stillborn baby that, that late in their pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I had heard about miscarriages, um, but I thought I was good after 12 weeks. Um, So I just kept looking for ways to connect to anybody, to anything um, that was feeling the way I was feeling. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I found different things on the internet of, of ways that, that um, people had handled this with grace. And um, I'd seen and read about different families that have uh, went on to have healthy babies and, you know, I just, I, I read a lot of positive things. Um, mm-hmm. Which is now awesome that now you're able to that's do that definitely somebody else. One of, that's definitely one you of know, my hopes. Which is a huge, huge thing. Yeah. By so having I, so I went, um, so, you know, so this first couple of days, I'm just sitting in the house, like not wanting to leave, um, feeling just like a weight on my chest feeling anxious, um, trying to kind of reach people from through a text message, you know, this is what happened, um, which Mm -hmm. just never fully expressed the full extent of how it was feeling. So I decided to, um, I decided to write a post on Facebook about my son, Connor, and about what we had been through, um, and about that he had died. And like right after I posted it, I just felt the weight lift off my shoulders because I felt like, okay, now it's out there. Now the conversation could turn towards uh, something different besides like, how's your baby? Or when are you due? Um, And it would shift more to just acknowledging uh, that he died, you know, more, more of being able to Mm -hmm. start that process of um connecting with people but it was just really nice to feel like the amount of love that that came after Connor's death was just like we got we we got cards and flowers and gifts and food for like weeks after um and it just really had an impact on my grieving because I just kept thinking 
These are how many lives, you know, Connor has touched. Mm-hmm. These are how many people love him. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so just that was a really special time for us. But um, in October, every October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. Sorry, excuse me. And um, so one okay. year after Connor died, I participated in this thing called um, Capture Your Grief. And it's 30 days of writing prompts. And I didn't make the writing prompts up, but um, they're great. They they just give you like a question or a comment or a quote. And I just was able to freely write, um, you know, from a place mm-hmm. of one year being able to reflect. And again, you know, like you said, I think, I think it really connected with a lot of people and um, they were starting to, you know, share it with other people that had lost babies. And I was able to connect with other moms that were going through the same thing. Um, You know, when you start to, once you start to not feel alone anymore, you feel the confidence to share even more, Um, you know, so that's Mm kind of what it became. So every October I like to participate in those journal prompts, um, as a way of healing, as a way of remembering and honoring, um, Connor. And, um, I'll, although, you know, through, through the years, it's been less writing. It's still something that I find very healing and very therapeutic. And mm-hmm. I know writing's not for everybody and I'm not like a big writer either. I'm more of a math person, but when it's your own feelings, you don't you don't tell people that but okay well I'm just trying to say like when it's your own feelings and it's really just for me like I can um I can look back on those posts and just get understand where I was and now I, I just always see how far I've come which is which is great my mom actually for Christmas that yeah. year she took um she made oh, right. yep. all of my posts my 30 days of post into a, a Shutterfly book. So I have all my writings in mm-hmm. this book and it's just so completely special. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, but it's, you know, it's an event that I encourage other moms to do too because one of the things like somebody will say to me, Jen, you know, this mom, my friend just lost her kid. I have no clue what to say. Her, her baby um, died at 35 weeks or whatever. Um, where do I even start? And I always want to connect with them because I, I, those first couple weeks, as hard as they are, I really think it's important to just write it all down. Like how you're feeling, what you're thinking, mm-hmm. no matter how crazy or um, how sad or whatever it is, just write it down. Because when you're able to see where you came, like, I know there's this quote that like always sticks in my head. I've survived, you know? I'm going to lose it. I've survived the worst days of my life or um, I don't know something about surviving like the worst days of your life. So you can basically do anything like um, Mm -hmm. I think it puts things into perspective and people need that from time to time. Absolutely. 
And, you know, and one of the things um, that you were saying with the, with the post, then I think it is great for people to participate in that, but just in general, what was so important and why I think those posts were so effective, not only for you, but also for other people is because they were just genuine and you were just being vulnerable and it, it was just for you and Connor, you know, and, and your family. Um, and you weren't worried about getting likes or doing anything for somebody else. And it was just kind of like, well, if this can help somebody great, it's out there. And if not, at least you got to kind of share a piece of his story and your story with everybody. Um, so I think again, even if it's not some, you know, a situation specifically the same as this, then I would encourage people to kind of take advantage of, you know, social media for those things, especially, you know, when you, you just kind of want to get something out there. Um, because you, you talked about, you know, that being, um, a big, you said one of the biggest sources of healing was these posts and that they're, you felt the instant shift from the pressure, anxieties, and fear, and were just instantly met with this love and understanding because, you know, of people's reactions right. and comments. And, and, and I and felt like, you like know, that. in sharing my story, I was able to find hope. I was able to connect with other moms um, whose babies died. And then I also just found such strength from people's words of encouragement. You know, they were, um, I remember one text from a friend and it you know sticks with me still to today and all she wrote was never give up and I think that you know it sounds so simple or it, you know maybe not I guess it sounds simple but it it just had such a powerful um meaning for mm-hmm. me you know in, in a lot of ways never give up and I don't know if she meant the same thing or the same way that I'm that I took it but um mm-hmm. it's resonated with me so much over the past four years uh since his loss and and you know that's another thing that I want um people listening to this to just kind of know like you said people reach out to you sometimes and they're like oh my friend just lost somebody would you talk to him and although you're willing to do that and they're like I don't really know what to say the thing right is, nobody knows what to say I'm sure you don't even <laughs> yeah. know exactly yeah. what to say you know it's like what, what do you say to something as horrible as you know as some of the things we're talking about but it's just that you you try that you reach out and that you share what you can whether it's a quote whether it's just you know, a little heart emoji or whatever, just something so that you know that other people are in it with you, like you said, and that, you know, like his, he was, you know, his his little life had such a big legacy, um, more so than some other people already, you know, um, just from that. So all those things are encouraging. So, you know, like you said, you found, you found this hope and you were able to start talking to families. Um, and from that, you, you kind of found different avenues and you eventually got to a place um, that you found ways to give back, you know, because like you said, as much as you want to be there for other families and, and help them as you can, then you realize that there was more that you could do than even just these posts and, you know, reaching out um, that there were other, other things that you could kind of give them that maybe you wish that you had during yours. So you want to yes. talk to us about. Yeah. So in my research of like, stillbirth and, um, different options that you have when 
your baby is born still, um, whether it be in the hospital or at home or days after. I found this company that was uh, creating and giving, um, or you could purchase these things called cuddle cots. And it's a cooling system um, for the baby's body. And one of the things for me um, that's kind of tough to talk about and, and tough to come to like terms with is that when Connor was mm-hmm. born, um, he was a little discolored. He was a little, he, he wasn't like a flush, um, natural nude. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, you know, I stayed in that, in the hospital overnight and they said Connor would be, you know, in the next room over. Um, and when I went to see him the next morning, his color had faded even more. Um, so, you know, not, the, not really the way I, I would have liked to, you know, right, remember him. Um, but these cooling systems allow the baby to be in a little um, bassinet looking like thing with a, with a cooling system underneath them. So it helps preserve their body. Um, and essentially what it's doing is giving families the gift of time to see their baby. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people choose depending on where their headspace is at. I wasn't able to do this because I just, my headspace wasn't there. Um, but a lot of people choose to bathe their baby, um, dress them, take family pictures. Um, you know, some, some people have, family from out of town that comes to pay their respects and um, this cuddle cot would would have given us a chance to say goodbye to Connor without him his body deteriorating um, like mm-hmm. it did so I I decided I wanted to give this back to the hospital in honor of Connor and um that's amazing. I launched a GoFundMe page and it was amazing. We were able to, to raise enough to donate three cuddle cots. Um, my friends and family and this community donated over $10,000 um, in order to help us. So it became a project for me that was so healing and another way to, you know, help other families going through this and give back it. And it was part of, yeah, it was just part of my healing process through there. Um, but within that time I got pregnant again within this process of, uh, the cuddle cots and, you know, my healing, as soon as the doctor said, you know, okay, you're physically healed. Um, and you can try to have another baby. There's nothing about that baby that about Connor, that would tell me, um, you know, you're at a higher risk or anything like that. So, uh, we got pregnant soon after with my daughter, Helen Rose, and I was 16 weeks into that pregnancy. Um, when I went to an ultrasound and they said that my daughter, Helen had a, um, fatal birth defect that was affecting her brain. Um, and the way that her brain was forming and closing, um, actually it was not closing. That was part of the, 
uh, issue. And she actually died a week later. So she was 17 weeks um, when we found out that she had died. So I, again, felt myself in the same exact position. And, you know, mm-hmm. you just, you never think it could happen to you once. And then this news comes exactly. again. And um, it was... So it was just really interesting. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to put it that way. And it, it's just like, I felt almost um, like eerily prepared for her death. Um, it was very different than Connor's. Um, I was, my family was in the delivery room up until the point that I delivered her. Um, everybody hugged her, kissed her, held her. We took pictures. We bathed her. Um, She stayed next to us for as long as we wanted. And I was just, it was all the things that I wanted to do with Connor that I wasn't able to do. Um, Mm -hmm. So in a way, it was also healing. And it was almost like closure for me. And that right there, that's just one of the reasons why I'm so glad that you came on and are joining us because just the strength for you to be able to go through these tragic events and be able to still pull something from them is unbelievably inspirational. This is, this is what the, the turning point in my life was after... Helen Rose's death and and like I think that's why I call it like in, in a sense it was like my closure my my healing and my closure um and not to say that it's closure in the fact that like that's not part of my life anymore but it was closure in the fact that I I was at peace with what happened almost like I was just at peace and mm-hmm. um I went so it was in April um, of 2017 that Helen Rose died and my parents were planning a vacation the next weekend to Bahamas or the next week to the Bahamas to go sailing on their boat. My husband had planned to go to Disney with the softball team, have a great time there. And here I am, everybody wants to now stop their plans and stay home with me and make sure I'm okay, which was the last thing I wanted. I was like, everybody needs to, I, I, we were on Mm -hmm. spring break, I think for school. I was like, everybody needs to go do their things and have fun. Like, I just want to be by myself. And of course my parents being my parents, um, said, well, that's not going to happen. Let Matt, you know, go be in (laughs) Disney because, you know, yes, this is physically happening to me, but my husband's also been through a hell of a lot too, um, in losing his kids. Mm -hmm. And his way of dealing with it versus my way of dealing with it are very different. Neither of them are right, wrong, good, bad. They are just different. And I knew mm-hmm. that's what he needed. He needed to go, you know, be with his softball team and be in Florida and I was going to be okay. But anyway, my parents said, um, you're coming to the Bahamas with us. And it was the best thing for me at the time uh, because I got to be, alone with my thoughts for a week 
I could be, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sailing with, with my parents, just the three of us. No, ju- no judgment, no uh, questions. Right. No, if I wanted to talk, I could, if I didn't want to, I didn't have to, um, you know, so it was really, it was, and I tell them this all the time, you know, it was the best gift anybody could have given me, um, to just have that time to be alone and to be away from reality, uh, in a sense. So I took mm-hmm. that time and I decided enough was enough. I had to admit to myself I wasn't as healthy as I thought I always was. Um, I had to figure out, I was going to figure out what was going on in my body, what I could do to uh, to have a healthy pregnancy. And I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to think about pregnancy until I got my body and my mind in the right place to take on another pregnancy. Um, so I started researching different foods, um, different supplements. Um, I went to a, I went to a, um, nutritionist or a, um, natural doctor, an integrative, uh, nutritionist who did all this type of blood work on me, all these types of scans and this and that put me on this protocol. Um, I was at the, the gym five days a week and I wouldn't say I was overdoing it. Like I was going, I was doing a half hour class and maybe a running for a couple, you know, a couple miles after class. So I I wouldn't say more than a 45 minute workout. It wasn't like I was spending hours in the gym. Um, but I really, I started narrowing down what I was eating, what I was drinking. Um, I started doing yoga and just flooding my body with good positive thoughts. And my focus became my health and not necessarily pregnancy and babies. And, um, Mm-hmm. During that time, I found uh, the Juice Plus products, and basically those are just um, fruits, veggies, and berries in capsule form. So it's just concentrate. It's like juicing. It's all the benefits of juicing fruits, veggies. Like we all know that that's really good for us, um, mm-hmm. but it was. It's never something I could keep up with consistently. So being able to have them in a concentrated pill form was just much easier for me. Um, so I started taking those, mm-hmm. loved what I was feeling, loved how I was feeling, loved that I was able to drop um, the baby weight and really felt healthier. I got, um, after a couple months of taking Juice Plus, I got blood work again and a lot of my markers um, or my biomarkers for my health had improved. Um, so I decided that I also wanted to start my own business with the, with the juice plus products. And so, um, I joined the company, I joined the mission. Um, I started sharing my juice plus products with everybody. I got, um, I got, I started learning more about, um, what the business could offer me. And I just started because of, and I always say this, it's because of Connor and Helen Rose, that I was able to then have the courage to be like, what if this could help me stay home with my kids, my future kids? What if this could, um, mm-hmm. you know, be what is the difference between having to worry about, um, you know, a car payment or um, a trip that I wanted or something along those lines. So I just started thinking about the possibilities of the business as long as 
along with what it was doing for my health. Um, and I, yeah, and I mean, you said one of the, one of the quotes that you talk about yeah. is like the idea of faith over fear. Right. And instead of like, okay, well, how can I take on, you know, this business, like as I'm still working and as I'm, you know, really concentrating on my health and everything else, like you could have just kept taking the supplements and do what you need to do and just kind of look at your own. But, you know, I, probably part of it is relating back to the idea of, you know, being this health and be teacher. You want to help other people experience, you know, some benefits that you've had. And, and like you said, also, even though it's scary, then look at the freedom right. that you could potentially get from it. Um, and, and you said that those are all things that you kind of learned or took away from right. your experience with your Right. Kids. So that faith over fear, uh, I think has been huge. I actually have that. Did you give that to me, Braley? I think you did. No, Liz did. Liz did. Liz gave me that sign. It's something you would do though. Um, Liz gave me that <laughs> sign in a, or that quote in a frame that I have hanging up in my office, um, faith over fear as a great reminder. But yeah, I mean, I started to just think, um, that I wanted to be a confident person for my kids, my future kids. And, and I wanted to make Connor and Helen Rose proud. You know, I just, I started thinking about those things like every day and I wanted to be able to share my story and the juice plus products and what they've done for me is, or the way I found them is through, you know, losing Connor and Helen Rose. So it just kind of all tied in together. And I think the, you know, the best thing since taking those products um, has been that I've had two healthy babies since Yay! then <laughs> uh, that are just, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're like my absolute pride and joy. And I'm not by any means saying that like, you know, juice plus was the end all be all that made me have healthy pregnancies, but it was a lot of what I've learned through that business, um, you know, which they say is a business disguised in personal development because I grew a lot personally while, um, working this business while meeting different people that are involved in this business. And then just from taking the product and watching how consistent my eating habits were able to be, um, you know, during my pregnancies and afterwards, it was just, it was game changing. So I had a healthy baby boy, um, Ryan Francis in July of, uh, 2018. And, you know, he's just, he was the best little baby. And, um, now he's two and a half and he's driving me nuts, wow. but you know, I, I always, <laughs> I always, um, just appreciate them. So I don't know if it's so much more like, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, be, because of loss. Now I love my kids more or anything like that. But like, I just look at them and I am so grateful that they are here because I always think of this too. Um, had Connor and Helen both lived, I don't know that we would have had Ryan. Um, and I always think, you know, if, if one of them have lived and we had Ryan, would we have had Macy? You know, my, my daughter right. Macy is 15 months now. She was born um, in November of 2019. And, you know, I'm so grateful for her. And I just love her to pieces. I can't imagine life without her. 
but mm-hmm. I don't know that she, she would be here if it wasn't for Connor, Connor and right. Helen Rose. So that doesn't, that doesn't escape my mind. You know, I, I'm constantly thinking of that um, as well. And those pregnancies weren't easy. <laughs> you know, that, that faith over fear was a constant, you know, to, to go back into those same rooms that I had ultrasounds in that I had bad news. Um, right. You know, wasn't easy, but I, again, made that decision that I could handle whatever came my way, that I would never give up. And, um, you know, I'm just so, I'm so proud to say that, that four years later, four and a half years later, I, you know, I have two healthy babies. So I don't know. I mean, this, the struggle, um, to get there isn't always easy. I think maybe if you met me today, you may not know, uh, or you may not have be able to visibly see, uh, where I've been, but, I, I do always say my children will grow up knowing who Connor and Helen Rose are, uh, you know, because they're in our life constantly. We talk about them constantly. And um, I'm grateful that my extended family talks about them constantly and, and always hopefully will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's amazing that, you know, through it all, then, like you said, you're, because you didn't give up on life and you didn't give up on motherhood and, you know, and you were able to put yourself out there and take a chance. And again, that's not to say, I understand that there's, you know, there are people that want it and they're trying to put themselves out there and, you know, and it doesn't always work out. Um, And thankfully in your case, then you were able to have these two little cute, little freaking things running around we need to flood the facebook page with all their their little adorable pictures their beautiful eyes and their cheeks that you want (laughs) to squeeze um you know but but like you said it's not only not only has this perseverance and this inner strength and you know this badass mentality like this yeah this is so scary but i'm gonna do it anyway um not only has that led you to the family um, that you have, but also you have some new exciting adventures coming yeah, up. Yeah, right? so I, I want to talk too about the fact that, um, like, I know as a teacher, sometimes maternity leave is, is tough to take, um, especially because my husband and I are both teachers. So it's not like, um, you know, me staying home and living in New Jersey on a one teacher income supporting, you know, three or other people, uh, it wasn't going to be something that I could necessarily do without my, um, juice plus business. But I, I did take two, like full years of maternity leave with my kids. Um, like Mm -hmm. Ryan was born in July of 2018 and I basically just went back to work in January (laughs) because doing it right girl (laughs) because I I decided I I had the courage to say I missed out on a lifetime with with Connor and Helen and I didn't want to miss out on anything uh you know with Ryan and Macy or my future my future kids and 
especially that first year of life. I mean, that first year was so important to me. And so um, I was able to take that a year off with Ryan, a year off with Macy. Um, and within that time, I was able to explore a lot of other different um, passions of mine. And, and I, I could take them to, you know, mom and me classes, and I could take them to music class mm-hmm. and connect with other moms. And I just, it's such a great time in mom's lives and baby's lives. Um, and I started working or teaching fitness classes with moms. Um, and what we would do is we'd, we'd bring the kids, we'd have the kids in the strollers, the moms would work out while the kids were in the strollers. And then, um, after the workout, we'd all gather around and somebody would run, um, some kid time. So we do bubbles, we do stories, we do songs and, um, you know, music and shake and stuff. And you know, it's just a, a time <laughs> to be able to connect and, um, talk and learn and just not feel so isolated in a time that many women, um, can feel so isolated and vulnerable and all that kind of stuff. So I made great connections mm-hmm. when I was on maternity leave. Nothing that I would have been able to do if I was only off for the three months, I think, that uh, the school or the state pays you for. Um, and I, I just made so many great connections with these moms and everybody. Um, I went back to work in January. And then just the beginning of February, um, I had the owner of the stroller company who I worked for, um, the stroller fitness class company approached me about buying her business. And I have to tell you, I had thought about it several times. I was like, um, maybe I'll start. This is while I was on maternity leave. Cause all I wanted to do was spend time with my kids. Borelli. I just didn't want to go back to work. So mm-hmm. I just was like, how can I, yeah, how can I stay I home you. with my kids? Like, what can I do? Blah, blah. So I thought about like Tinker Garden. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. That's like, um, it's a mommy and me class for kids learning about outside and being in nature. <laughs> kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I had thought maybe I'll start my own stroller company. Like maybe I'll, but this mm-hmm. company is so well known and so, um, like popular in the community that I just thought to myself, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna, it's silly to try to rival this, you know, we're in the same area, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she approaches me about buying it. And I was like, Oh, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like what an opportunity. And then of course I'm thinking, am I nuts? I have two, mm-hmm. I have a one and a two year old. I have a full-time teaching job. <laughs> I have a juice plus business. Um, yeah, what was the like, problem? I don't understand. Am I nuts? <laughs> and at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, my babies are watching me. Like, this is not something that happens by accident. This is not an opportunity that comes, like, often or ever, I should say. <laughs> um, <laughs> I felt like it was falling into my lap. And I just knew I had to take it. And then I'd figure it out along the way. Um, and so that's what I've decided. I'm, I'm buying it. I'm going um, con- 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 yeah, to continue to grow this mom community and this mom tribe because really we all, we all really need each other um, 
to, to make it through. Cause it's just, it really, it's not easy. Um, but I'm so excited about it. There's so many different, um, angles and logistics and ways that I want to help these moms and, and things that I want to do, you know, within our community. And I'm just, um, I'm just really psyched. I can't wait. So we're, we're going to hopefully be, nothing's official yet. Um, but by the spring, I think by April, by the end of the month, um, we should be launching with it with a new owner. And I'm psyched. That's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. So exciting. And, you know, and again, it's one of those things that like when you're open to different possibilities that are coming, then, you know, then you'll find yep. that they do come, you know, and, and like you said, um, you know, obviously both of us kind of believe in, in the higher power and, you know, seeing things. And, uh, and like you said, you know, you kind of, you think that your babies yeah. led you here and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of lead you through this. Um, and well, I'm just going to they better leave, they better help me lead me through this because so many times, <laughs> you know, even just in saying it, you're like, it's, it's, it's scary because it's new. Um, it's also exciting because right. it's new. But I know um, I'm going to need a lot of guidance from from them and just trusting um, that things will be okay. Trusting this is, you know, the path that's kind of meant for me Um, and just trusting in the possibilities that can come from it, trusting in the connections that can come from it. Um, So I'm just I'm taking them along the way. and I'm, I'm continuing to, to just have them in the front of my mind when it comes to this business, just like I did when I started my Juice Plus business. That was like my why. My why was like, find more, have more time with your family. Um, you know, mm-hmm. because of, from your experience with Connor and Helen Rose, make that be why you have more time with your family now. Because you understand how precious that is. Um, so I just, I continue to have that in the front of my mind and it's what pushes me forward. Um, it's what helps motivate me when I feel scared or, um, unmotivated or not confident enough. Um, so they really, they have just helped me tremendously through this life and continue to, um, and even when life gets Mm -hmm. busy, you know, it's sometimes that too, it's like, Life gets so busy and you're like, did I think about Connor and Helen today? Did I, did I say I love them? Did I, you know, say goodnight to them? All this kind of stuff. Even, even when life gets busy, I'm reminded of them in, in the ways that they present stuff like this to me or the ways that they help guide me Mm -hmm. um, in my decisions or just give me confidence in my decisions. So, um, you know, I'm hoping to just learn a lot with this new experience I don't know where it could take me, but I am telling you what, I am open to the possibilities. One of the things I love about this, this type of new venture is that I can always bring my kids along for the ride so they can come to class. They can see mom working, um, but also teaching and connecting and playing, you know, having fun. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, that's been really important to me is that I can bring my kids along for, for this ride. Yeah. And, you know, and obviously we don't know all the details, but I am confident that 
whatever they are, you're going to make the best of it and make, make it a success. And just as you're saying that, you know, your babies um, have been and will continue to be your inspiration, then I think, you know, just even me, I know your story. And every time, you know, I hear it or, or just hear you talk about anything, whether it's your new business or, or what you've been through, um, or just your passions, then I definitely find you motivating and inspiring. And I, I'm sure, um, our listeners will as well. Um, so I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time to chat with us. Um, is there any last minute things that you would like to, I just want to say thank you so much. I mean, I don't know how this timing worked out so perfectly, but it did. Um, and I just want to thank you for listening. Um, thank you for wanting to share my story or helping me share my story. Um, because as you know, you know, if this helps one person, um, it's worth everything. So I just appreciate you so Mm -hmm. much and, and what you're doing and thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, um, allowing me to just take one more step in my healing and, talk about my kids because just it's a gift um, to be able to say their name and share their story and mm-hmm. have it impact anybody. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Well, you absolutely. And you know, you've definitely impacted um, me along the way and I'm, I'm lucky to have you in my life um, in the group and just as a friend. Um, so I, I appreciate you sharing your story and everybody else who's um, shared their stories in the past or that will in the future, because as much as I've been able to learn and grow from these experiences, I know that I'm just one of many that are out there. Um, So I'm excited to get this out there to our listeners Um, guys that are listening. If, if you could just drop a little comment um, just to tell Jen what her story meant or something that stood out from it, um, or just kind of saying that you can relate to it, then I think that would mean a lot. It takes a lot to get up here and share, especially, you know, the hard moments of our lives. Um, but it's important that we do because then not only can we grow from them, but we can all kind of grow together as a community. And I think connectiveness is one of the best things in life. Um, so, that's that's it for for this session um and we will talk to you guys soon take care